This episode of Showstopper is presented by Hulu. Listen to all Showstopper episodes today, only on Spotify. The Americans is an incredible example of, of the little show that could. You know, we were not enormously popular in the beginning, and, and where we are now is a far cry from where we were. And that is a journey that we all take together. From Spotify Studios, this is Showstopper, the podcast that looks back on the most memorable moments in TV that all had one special ingredient, killer music. I'm your host, Naomi Zeichner. Today, we're chatting with composer Nathan Barr, music supervisor PJ Bloom, and co-music supervisor Amanda Creek Thomas about their work on the critically acclaimed TV show, The Americans. Nathan Barr previously worked on series like True Blood and Hemlock Grove. Amanda Creek Thomas has worked on Life in Pieces, Feud, and American Horror Story. PJ Bloom has worked on Glee, American Horror Story, CSI Miami, and Nip Tuck. Thanks for joining me on Showstopper, Nathan, PJ, and Amanda from The Americans. Hi, Naomi. Hello. Hi. For someone who might not yet be a fan of the show, can you guys describe The Americans and tell me what kind of show it is? The Americans is a uh, show created by Joe Weisberg, who was a former CIA operative. And it's basically about Philip and Elizabeth Jennings, who are a couple living as a sleeper cell um, as Russian-Soviet spies outside D.C. in the 80s. And the struggles of what that was like emotionally for them, raising a family, and all of the sort of operations they go through in uh, service to Russia. Most importantly, one of the coolest story threads is they happen to live across the street from an FBI agent named Stan Beeman. And so that introduces all sorts of interesting intrigue and concern to the story. How have the three of you worked together over time? You know, you don't overlap all the time, but what is your relationship as you guys are thinking about the music on this show? You know, there is not a lot of overlap between what Nate does and what uh, Amanda and I do as music supervisors, but I will say that the way that um, Joe Weisberg and Joe Fields, the two executive producers on the show, operate is they love to explore both songs and score in terms of telling the story simultaneously, and oftentimes it's what we refer to as a bake-off in the industry. Nate will try something on the score front, and we will try something on the song front. <laughs> this process goes back and forth until we, until oftentimes we land on either score or song, depending on who the lucky winner is. And then, and then you know, there are times where where we create custom material for the show, and that is really an opportunity where we and Nate can collaborate, which is um, some of the more fun and interesting stuff that we get to do. So the show's premise, like we've said, is that during the Cold War, there's these Soviet spies that are secretly living in America and blending in as they sort of have a family. And accordingly, the show's source music is a lot of 80s pop, but the original score has a different sound sort of inspired by thrillers and Russia. The most prominent example of this is probably the theme song. So Nate, I want to talk about sort of what, what does that theme song sound like and how did you go about creating it? So the theme song was a big discussion when I first got hired on the show with Joel and Joe and myself. And I think we all agreed we wanted to steer away from like the trope of like the Red Army Choir and the sort of that obvious uh, Russian approach. Given that the show is, well, while that's the basis for the world, it's a lot more than that. It's about these characters and the emotional journey of these characters. I was asked to write a demo before I got hired, and I just came up with a simple theme, and that turned out to be Elizabeth's theme for the show, and that actually worked really well as uh, the, the melody that drives the main title. I kind of 
tried to find a sound that, while not overtly Russian, at least lived in that realm enough to not feel out of place in the show. It's all, I basically performed the whole thing in my studio on various instruments. It's prepared piano, it's plain old acoustic piano, it's hammered dulcimer, which kind of in a weird way is a, is a nod to balalaika without being a balalaika. It was sort of one way to sort of work something overtly Russian into there. And then cello, and then a little bit of percussion. But yeah, that was sort of the, the general thrust of that, the main title. The main title is always really exciting and intimidating for a composer because basically producers want you to come up with something that sums up, you know, the whole emotional journey of the show in, in 30 seconds. And that's a very scary thing to be asked to do, but it's also really exciting when you find it. No pressure. Hey, no pressure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the title sequence for me when I watch it is sort of incredibly tense, actually. You yes. know, and, and that's part of the reward of the show is that it's incredibly suspenseful and tense. And like you mentioned, that it was sort of inspired by this theme that you had worked on for Elizabeth. But each of the main characters has their own theme music. So how did you go about developing those themes? And and you use them over time, and sort of how do they morph to the scene in which they're played? So the way themes work in the Americans is that the, the major characters in the show, for the most part, have their own theme. Philip and Elizabeth um, each have their own theme. As I mentioned, Elizabeth's theme is over the main title. Philip's theme is a, um, a cello, a low cello. As the Philip and Elizabeth story has developed further and it's become more about the family, there's a family theme that sort of steps in uh, in place. And that, that was sort of a really great way to avoid becoming um, too tedious with Elizabeth's theme over and over again every time we see Elizabeth. Can you tell me a little bit more about that family theme and how it's evolved over time? At the end of season two, there's a moment where Philip and Elizabeth are in the kitchen together with Paige, and there's a shift that happens there for the family. And that was the first moment I saw that sort of was an overtly wonderful moment to, to explore sort of the larger theme of family in the show from a musical point of view. That's where I came up with a really simple piano theme. It's acoustic piano, but it's played with mallets, so it has kind of a slightly left-of-center sound. And that theme sort of begins to charge up the fact that we're now going to be talking about family more than we are about Elizabeth and Philip in many cases. So on the song front, Amanda and PJ, the show is set in the 80s and it's largely scored with music from that decade or sort of from the 70s and 80s. So did you consider using, you know, more contemporary music or older music to shade in that decade differently? Or were you sort of at the outset very certain that the sound of the 80s was the right sound for the show? Joe and Joel are so dedicated to authenticity, you know, in every element of the show, like the costumes and the sets and the props and and everything. So it's always about finding the most authentic material, like what was actually out at that time. 
We literally take our song release schedule down to the month. The show's season five currently takes place in 1984, but it's not even enough that the music was released sometime in 1984. I think we, I think the show goes up to about July this season, so it was it was critical that the music be released in 1984, but before July. You know, I personally find very freeing to have those parameters when you're looking for material because then you get to say, like, oh, maybe people forgot about this album that came out, and you get to bring that to light. We try and use these big songs or big artists in a couple ways. It's, you know, using recognizable material in unexpected ways is really fun. There is sort of a joy in creating those moments where you can take something familiar in a way and sort of flip it on its head, which is one of the most fun things that we get to do on this show with this time period and and the stories. Right. And you have to remember that, that while there are maybe 200 songs that became iconically popular in any given year. There are tens of thousands of songs and and hundreds and hundreds of artists that weren't so popular. So it really isn't that small a toolbox. It's, It's quite a wide array of material that we get to explore. We certainly explore a lot of deep cuts, obscure material. So it really is is, is an opportunity to share and, and educate our audience with music they might not be so familiar with. For you, is there an example of one of those unearthed gems that you guys got to use that was, you know, really personally satisfying? There was this episode that ended with this Peter Gabriel song, Lay Your Hands on Me. And that one wasn't a a big song of his. And so that one, you know, we came to it really focusing on the story and, you know, what would fit in this montage. And we did a little bit of digging and it just worked so perfectly. And then when that episode aired, Peter Gabriel was actually trending on Twitter and a lot of people were like, oh, man, forgot about that jam. Like, oh, I, I had no idea that was Peter Gabriel. Like, I hadn't heard that one. So it was it was a cool to experience and it, it, to, to see the conversation happening and, and watching people kind of real time, like, rediscover Peter Gabriel through this song that they maybe hadn't heard of. You know, some music moments are crafted in post and some are sort of born from the script. That sequence was always supposed to be a very big music moment. You know, Peter Gabriel has been a focal point of the show as an artist. We we closed the first season with Games of Games Without Frontiers, which was one of his bigger hits. But in this particular case, you know, we had this we had this very long three and a half, four minute montage, and we needed to extend the song and craft the song in such a way where, where we were able to duck dialogue and create more tension moments. Um, so we literally went to Peter Gabriel in the UK and asked him if he would dig out the original master tapes of this song and provide stems for us so we could carve out certain elements like the percussion, eliminate other elements, and use those original tracks to craft something that was truly original for the show. It all came together, and it was pretty magical. As a show, The Americans features a ton of music, both original and licensed, but you don't hear music playing throughout all of each episode. So tell me a little bit about sort of the process behind using score maybe more selectively than other programs and kind of how you guys are 
making calls about what needs music and, and what moments you'd like to create. This is a show that works so beautifully without music a lot of the time. It, it's not a show that needs to lean on music to sell itself and its characters and the story. It does mean less music at times. So when we first see the episode, um, there's there's already moments carved out throughout the episode, whether it's source or score, where there's going to be music driving the scene or helping out with the scene. At times, I wish there were more score in it, but I, I honestly watch these episodes where there's maybe, you know, six, eight, ten minutes to score, and I go, yeah, that's all it needs. It doesn't need any more than that. And I think both PJ and, I, and, and Amanda can all talk about just, like, the incredible struggle we, we all go through to find something that really works for them in the right way. And sometimes it goes to song, sometimes it goes to score. And there have been, there have been many moments throughout the last five seasons where we have all worked diligently both on the song and score side to find something that works. And we're talking about weeks of Nate creating score or weeks of us trying different songs, and ultimately they choose to have nothing in those areas. Joe and Joel really have a handle on how to feather music in in the right way and don't have the insecurities that go along with storytelling. A lot of the more intimate moments on the show, especially between Elizabeth and Philip, are set to original music and not to licensed music. Can you tell me about creating that music and sort of why you guys chose to do score for it? And whether you're making that score after watching a finished scene or before it's shot? I create score after a scene is shot and once picture's locked. So definitely every single note that exists in the score exists because something on the picture is asking it to exist. So um, in those highly intimate moments between Philip Elizabeth, which there are you know, tons of throughout the, the, um, the seasons, it's often about their past coming and getting in the way, or it's about you know, our, our real feelings becoming involved when they're, when they're dealing with sources and other people they are required to work with. Um, and that's one of the things I love about there's a sadness to Philip and Elizabeth, both as individuals with their histories in Russia and as, as their relationship as a couple, too, because of the things they're being asked to do. And Elizabeth is, like, basically 100% behind it, um, and, and Philip uh, wavers a bit. He sort of he lets his humanity sort of get in the way of the, the cause, which is something Elizabeth never does. And so the music is really about the tenderness uh, of the two of them, uh, the sadness they share together, and how can the score sort of help tell that story a bit. that's why I think that sustained um, plucked piano has become such a nice signature sound in the score for the show. Um, it has a very sort of open, wandering, sad sound that really plays, I think, well to Philip and Elizabeth's sadness That is that, to me, is always under the surface with, with everything they do. The show has a lot of montages, and there's one in season four where you used Peter Schilling's Major Tom for a montage that sort of plays on the double lives that Elizabeth and Philip are living, both as parents and spies. So the song is playing and Philip is teaching their daughter Paige to drive. And meanwhile, Elizabeth is off seducing and then drugging a character named Don. Can you tell me about that scene and how the music is helping represent the character's duality? Yeah, I mean, this montage in a way is sort of represents the tension and the balance of what goes on in the show, you know, balancing the stresses and the life of being a spy with the stresses and the life of being a parent. 
setting up the friend and the driving lesson are, are very different, and they are. But teaching your daughter to drive, you know, for the first time is, is pretty stressful for a parent. It's like kind of a big milestone. So the song there really needed to capture the tension of both of those scenes and the stress and sort of like the heightened anxiety, but it obviously couldn't be too dark or and it couldn't be too light. Major Tom, I think, really captured that. Like, they it lived in that perfect little balance of the energy that felt right for both scenes. Lyrically, that song, it came at a point in the season, and last season was a lot about them being stretched to their breaking point as spies. Like, and the lyrics sort of spoke on to that on many levels, like from the, you know, one, two, three, countdown, like to the driving, to the setup, and just like them them kind of reaching this teetering on the edge of uncertainty and in and, and their lives. So, um, you know, it just felt right on a lot of different levels for that that sequence. Have there been instances where a specific song is scripted into the show? America the Beautiful was a very important moment. Oh, yeah. In the season. That was part of the script. That is true. It was part of the script. There was a, the line from America Beautiful was the title of the episode. It was the first episode of season five. So they had scripted America the Beautiful in the show, and lyrically it was just a huge part of the storyline. So they had wanted to do our own Russian version of this song, which meant having the song sung in Russian. So Amanda and I kind of went into fire drill mode. We went to uh, our Russian contracting partner, who very quickly was able to put together a 30-piece Russian choir recorded in Moscow in one of the most famous recording studios ever in Russia. So in fact, we actually did get an actual Russian choir to record our Russian version. It's also, though, it's probably the only recording of that song in Russian in existence in the world, right? Yep. I mean, I'm sure you guys looked and... It's true. It's true. And I mean, there were a lot of interesting anecdotes that came out of that time. You know, we needed about three different Russian translations because the song simply does not translate. You know, ultimately we had to decide on which translation was the most musical. So we couldn't just use any translation. This is just, I mean, these are the things that we go through on a, on a daily basis. It's, uh, it's, it's often a lot more detailed and a lot more interesting than the audience ever knows about. So it's fun when we get to tell these stories. How did this amazing choir rendition end up actually playing in the episode? It played completely mixed forward under all of these amazing images of America. And, yeah, and, it was cool. Yeah, and the irony of like having all of these distinctly American images under this distinctly American song sung in Russian by Russians. <laughs> you know, fun yeah. stuff. Nate, you created an original song for the series with Pete Townsend. Can you tell me about that song and how you guys decided that that episode needed an original piece of music? Yeah, so this was in episode 10 of season two. I think everyone was excited about the idea of bringing someone in 
who was like legendary, like Pete Townsend, to collaborate on something. And uh, PJ got in touch, I think, through Spirit Music, right? They had suggested that Pete might be interested in a in a collaboration. And, and as it happened, Pete Townsend was a fan of the show. He was a fan of Nate's. He knew about his work on True Blood. The timing just worked out, and then we were able to put Nate and Pete together. Yeah, and uh, we talked sort of initially about what uh, the best way to work was. I opted to send over two pieces of music that could allow for Pete to play guitar on them, and they sort of lived within the world of the score, and yet maybe could be song, or we weren't sure. About a week went by, and then I got an email from him saying, check your Dropbox link, and Pete had um, not only uploaded guitar tracks, he had uploaded uh, lyrics that he sang, and it was it was an amazing experience, definitely one of the coolest moments in my musical career and probably in my life. So I still remember Nate sharing all of this with us because, you know, the question was, how did this scoring session go? Right. And Nate said, uh, you're not going to believe this, Pete wrote a song. Yeah. And so we have a brand new Pete Townsend song that exists solely in the Americans and within this episode. And, and everybody was just so completely knocked out by that fact. So I took the tracks and we we were um, looking for a scene and this this great sort of assassination sequence comes up at the end of uh, the episode called Yusuf. And so it was about a five minute sequence. So it really at that point became about sort of taking the material I did have and and crafting it in such a way that it that felt like it, it felt like a song. It felt like score and it worked really well for the scene. And lyrically, what he came up with, I mean, it was just so perfect. This was the only major song moment in the entire series that we've gone out of time in that way. The thinking was that, you know, well, it's Pete Townsend and, you know, he is certainly an icon of the era and it's an original Pete Townsend song. So we felt that our our fans would probably be forgiving of that fact. The show's fifth season began airing this spring and its sixth and final season will start next year. What can we expect from the music in those two seasons and how how is it new and fresh? It's going to be awesome. <laughs> Um, I don't believe the writers have started writing yet for season six, although I'm sure Joe and Joel and, and, and all of them have an idea of how it's going to end. I, I'm personally excited to see, you know, I mean, here we are in season five and, you know, the storylines are certainly evolving. Philip is kind of going down this sort of deep hole of craziness and concern and who am I and what is my life and what am I doing? Is the show going to end in 1985 or are we sort of fast forwarding to grunge era? Yeah, we we don't know yet. We don't know yet. It's always really exciting. We don't quite know exactly where season six is going to go time wise. We could definitely pick up right where we left off or there could be a time jump, which the Americans has done before. And I'm curious, actually, you know, like at the end of season four, we had Who by Fire by Leonard Cohen. Mm. And it was very sort of this like folksy moment like that, which doesn't happen as often. So with Philip going more introspective and, you know, feeling more feelings and, you know, I feel like the characters are just both evolving inward in a way. And I, I think that that could open up some interesting new musical opportunity to sort of pepper in. I do like the uh, I do like the flash forward idea, Naomi. 
Yeah. I think maybe we can get it into like some early 90s New Jack and maybe yeah. it could be like a, like, a, like a Montel Jordan, this is how we do it moment. Yeah, that's right. Wow. Oh my gosh. That, that would be truly subversive. <laughs> Thanks for joining me on Showstopper, Nate Barr, PJ Bloom, and Amanda Creek Thomas of The Americans. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Naomi. You can watch all of The Americans on FX. And check out the official Showstopper playlist exclusively on Spotify. Showstopper is produced by Spotify Studios in collaboration with Panoply Custom Studios. Our producers are Margaret Kelly, Natalie Tulloch, Morgan Hecht, and Daniel Nicolau, with help from Shannon Burner. Our recording engineers are William Garrett and Jack Mason. The theme music for this episode is Felt All Right by Little Slugger. I'm Naomi Zeichner. Thanks for listening to Showstopper. We want to know what your favorite musical moments are from Atlanta. Call 347-699-7423, and after the beep, leave us a message with your name and your Spotify username. Tell us about what your favorite moment from Atlanta is and why, and we'll feature some of them on the next episode of Showstopper. Hi, this is Caroline. One of my favorite musical moments from The Americans is in season three when Philip, the spy dad played by Matthew Reese, is on assignment to swoon a teenage girl who is the same age as his daughter to gain intel. Earlier in the episode, his daughter Paige is really stoked about getting the new Yaz album. I know, it's the 80s. And Philip uses the same album to swoon the teenage girl who's trying to compromise. The end of the episode is really powerful because it ends with the teenage girl snuggling up to Philip who's in disguise and only you from Yaz starts playing. It's really quiet, and the only thing that's playing is the music, but you can really sense how compromised Philip is as a character, as a father, as a spy, as all three of these things really come together. The thing about the Americans is they don't really talk a lot, but the music says value. This episode of Showstopper is presented by Hulu. Watch your favorite shows and movies, along with other series featured on Showstopper, like The O.C., anytime, anywhere on Hulu.